0: Walk in the spot and it's
1: lights, cameras, action Well executed, I'm the main attraction Engaging vibes is wherever I wanna be Enchanting lights and smiles is all you see <laughs> So I ain't thinking about the next one Snapping pics, they be loving my fashion Great drinks, great friends and it's flowing well It's the perfect
0: event, shout out Riel Another episode of the Riel's Events Podcast. We're a business podcast all about elevating boring events to enchanting engagements for your nonprofit organization, corporation, and small business. I'm your host, Riel Jones. I am so excited for this week's interview. I interview Greg Wilson, a friend of mine since high school. We talk about photography, we talk about traveling, and we also talk about events for high school students the lasting impressions our events can have on them, what we provide for them through our events, and the ultimate experiences. We also look at different approaches to life. When we recorded this episode, it was right before my, my birthday, and I think that for most people, around your birthday, you become very introspective, at least I do, and I start thinking about my goals, I start thinking about the last year, and I think about the year coming and what I want for it. So I think in a way this interview at one point becomes a little bit like a therapy session <laughs> as we talk about life journey and um, also what I'm hoping for this year for me. And um, I don't want to spoil it too much more so let's jump into it. Thank you, Greg, for joining me on today's episode of Riel's Events Podcast. Excellent. The first thing I wanted to kind of do is tell our guests how we met. <laughs> if you can think back,
1: yeah.
0: To to then I don't know where was it? Sophomore, junior year, we went to um, a conference. So
2: was that was that in New Orleans or was that in
0: Denver? That was in New Orleans.
2: New Orleans. Yeah, so that must have been that must have been sophomore year or maybe junior year. Yeah, let's say junior year because I just remember was senior year. Yeah, the SCLC Student Diversity Leadership Conference, and I guess it was two thousand nine. Yeah. Out
1: New
2: Orleans, it looked like a... I guess it was a it was a private school thing?
0: Yeah, like the um, diversity leadership.
2: So it's sort of like I guess the student diversity. Organizations from a bunch of private schools across the nation, um, they all get invited to a particular location um, for a, it's a three day,
1: mm-hmm.
2: two and a half, three day conference where you know, talk about everything. And it was one of those I don't remember the theme of the year, but I do remember at least at each conference that I went, it was like a you know, we, tra- we tackled one theme in particular, but. Overall, that you ended up sort of really becoming, you know, super personal. Yeah. Uh, heavy on the identity, being able to speak towards components of your identity in a super candid way. Um, and yeah, that's when I met you. So I guess that was 2009. Yeah. And down in, and down in
0: <laughs> I, was, I was really impressed, and I'm still impressed by, um, like you said, the conversation, especially around identity. Because you had all of us students from of all over America. I don't know how many. I had. This, I think it was a, at least a few thousand. I don't know how many students came. Um, but I remember in one of our groups, like one of the first ones, they had us write down like three or four words that you identify with, you know, like I might say female, Christian, Southern, or something like that. And then one person, mm-hmm. it was this one white guy who was like, um, he, he said his stuff and then they asked us like, what are your expectations and or fears of the three-day experience? He was scared that it would be like a, a race bashing thing, you know, where like the three days he was going to be like put on the odds from everybody else. And that was not the case in any of the sessions. And I I stayed in his group. Um, at any of the sessions, like, it really was, like, all these high schoolers just talking about our experiences, and, like, I think I give them a lot of credit for the sophistication of the topics and the conversation, but also the respect in the room.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think that respect component is definitely, you know, looking back, a huge component of it. it, is because nowadays, you don't really... And when I say nowadays, I'm really kind of speaking of like the past two years, especially yeah. going through like a tumultuous election cycle. But it's, it's definitely hard to have those types of conversations without them sort of deteriorating down to you know, you know, sort of aggressive uh, finger pointing, and, mm-hmm. like you said, race bashing. Um, so it's definitely it was definitely a beneficial experience. to have been able to have those conversations and to see what you know the true definition of a "Quote unquote safe spaces where people can speak candidly without really having fears of retaliation from from the group in terms of you know whatever they might say."
1: Right,
0: right. And I also remember I think that didn't they have like Sydney Portier as like one of the speakers or something? I think,
2: I think he was there. Yeah, he was there. Like, like, I remember, like he might have been a keynote speaker. Yeah, I think he was like the keynote speaker.
0: There. Which i like, they went all out. Okay, again, this is a private school thing, but still, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. they they went I all guess, out.
2: Like, the schools had to pay for it or something, cause somebody was getting paid somewhere.
0: Somewhere along the line, yeah, they definitely <laughs> were. But I'm like, wow, y'all didn't, cause I've been to some programs. They're like, oh, these are students; they'll be okay. But they really mm-hmm. laid everything out, and um, yeah, it's so it was funny because. Uh, a couple years later <laughs> i run a, a, uh, into you again at at bu and what 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 took you from philly to to boston
2: to be honest i'm not quite sure i think it was a mix between like my sister went to wellesley mm-hmm. so when i got to looking uh and my others i had two sisters one of them went to wellesley and the other one uh did her first year out at um What's it? Uh, what's the other women's college out there in, oh, stop, is where she went. What's the... Mount Holyoke. Mount Holyoke, the, yeah. Yeah, so when it came time for me to look for college, I instinctively went up to Massachusetts and looked at a bunch up there and knew I wanted to be in, you know, a, a city, urban environment, just like this, like, you know, you're not trapped in the middle of nowhere, kind of like, like you are if you go to Penn State or anywhere sort of in a more rural area. Uh, I mean, it brought me to BU, between BU and Northeastern. I went to Boston University for like a, uh, they had like a multicultural weekend with prospective students and I'd met a bunch of cool people when I visited a bunch
1: of Mm -hmm.
2: of people that were prospective students and a bunch of students uh, at the university and, you know, sort of feeling like I already had friends at the school and decided to just commit to going there and, you know, ended up living in Boston for like six years.
0: I would love to talk to your sister about her experience because I think <laughs> my experience from first year to like senior year mm, I have some stories uh, to share with her.
2: Mm-hmm. But
0: um, yeah. I think that BU, honestly, student wise, I can see you being a, I don't know, like I think of BU students as being very smart, very intellectual, but not Um, pretentious, like, I'm not about to just try to show off how how smart I am, like, y'all tend to be pretty cool, and also have, like, a creative side, right?
2: I mean, I don't know if you can speak for the whole (laughs) universe,
0: But if
1: I'm stereotyping
2: It was an expensive school, so there's definitely, like, you know, a lot of students who were there just because they could afford it kind of situation but because it was such a big school, you didn't get that wide breadth of, like, um, just really smart kid, who ended up in at Boston University Next, you know just a, a wide wide range of students there which um, was totally different from my high school experience going to such a small school and sort of feeling like I knew everybody around me and then I got to a place like B U and it feels like you're meeting somebody. Pretty much every year that I went there I would meet, you know, like a completely new group of people mm-hmm. to to befriend and felt so, like my my uh, circle of associates was constantly growing. Even now, after graduation, I feel like, I mean, not even, I feel like I I was walking around downtown Philadelphia the other day, and I saw a bunch of BU stickers on cars, the network's definitely, you know, all over the place. you like, my people. Yeah, yeah, I mean, as much as I claim, claim BU people, I'm (laughs) like, you know, with the big school, there's like zero school pride, you know, so no one... No one at BU was really talking about how much they
1: loved BU as much as they were complaining
0: about, you know, one thing or the other. Yeah. See, I didn't get that vibe. Like, again, because Wealthy's smart. I just talked to Mandy Bowman, who went to Babson. She's over official mm-hmm. Sh- Black Wall Street. Um, that's another small school. MIT's big ish, but like, like Chocolate City, everybody kind of hung together. So that kind of felt even smaller because you kind of knew the afro students like black caribbean african you know like (laughs) so boston i don't know
2: definitely that's definitely a small circle and i think even now like after graduation there's there's people who probably feel like they they've seen my face around or something just because tight-knit circle amongst all the boston schools you know
1: yeah
0: yeah so i um I remember being very envious of you because you had all the photos from an internship where you like met the roots and all of that. Can you remind me of that internship and, and when did you do it?
2: So, yeah, um, at my high school, we had to do um, sort of like a senior project. And I think it's kind of common at a lot of private schools, mm-hmm. like a, a final senior project where, um, you know, it's usually a reason to just get the students off campus. <laughs> so, um, I, I did mine sort of focused around like a business entertainment, mm-hmm. um, and split half of my time at a, uh, financial entertainment group, this group called, a uh, Ford Entertainment Financial Group, it's pretty straightforward. Um, owned by this guy, Sean G who's like a, he's a financial manager for the roots. He had a lot of other big name clients, like, Drake and Lil Wayne and Common,
1: mm.
2: um, and then through a connection that I had as a job, um, like I was working at uh, working at a preschool, and uh, that's how I sort of got that connection with Sean G because he had kids at that preschool. But at that same preschool, a lot of the a lot of the roots members of the roots that their their kids in that preschool as well, mm. so I was able to get in contact with Kamal, um, the keyboard player the mm-hmm. band. And uh, spent about I guess ten days going up to NBC, up at 30 Rockefeller, and that was back when they were working for what was it, the late night with Jimmy Fallon. Um, yes, yeah, so that was that was like a dream come true because it's a somebody super interested in music finally getting to meet my idols. Like yeah, for real. Not only meet them but sort of just like waste time and hang shoot the shit
1: with them
0: Sorry, yeah I can't the no podcast. you can't <laughs> it's a podcast <laughs> yeah it's a podcast fdg <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah just like kind of what did you learn by being around them were they i mean i know you were saying like you got to chill with them but on the other side were you also picking up on some of the things that they really cared about or they were like perfectionists around like yeah as a high schooler, what was that experience like?
2: So yeah, I mean, part of the project was to, you know, give a final presentation, and um, for my final presentation, I filmed like a, a lousy documentary that I, I kind of threw together I <laughs> everybody that I met while I was there, and was asking them really kind of super vague questions, um, just about like how how do I transition from. You know, high school into college, how to like pick a career, quote unquote, and you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and in asking everybody those questions, one of the really current themes from everybody, um, and I particularly remember the, the answer that Quest though gave me because it was like super drawn out and had like metaphors and quotes. Um, but uh, it was just like the idea that if you want to do anything, if you want to do anything well, you need to invest all of your time into it. They talk about like that 10,000 hours Mm -hmm. um, that Malcolm Gladwell talks about and they all sort of attest to it where it's like nobody got to where they were simply because they had some opportunity lined up for them or because they were particularly good at something as much as they all just spent a lot of time doing whatever they, you know, were ultimately being recognized for.
1: Yeah.
2: So, you know, that was... At the time, didn't really resonate with me. As, as I mean, it was sitting the back of my mind, I guess, for a while. Yeah. But really only now is that something that I sort of realized where it's like, it's, it's so true, where it's, if, you, if you really want to do anything, it's it's, it's not the matter of working your way up a ladder, that's sort of the it, sort of going from college,
1: mm-hmm. from, from
2: high school to college, and going through each year in college, you know, getting... Internships along in the way, as much as it's like you got to decide what you really want to do and then focus in on it 100% and you know, don't let anything distract you from that.
0: Right, right. I brought up networking um, and really using that chance of just happening to meet someone, you know, working one place. Did you grow up hearing a lot about networking? Um, was that a concept that you knew of? Before this happened,
2: uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, my and I don't know when my dad would tell me all this, but I definitely heard the expression, you know, your network is your net worth or whatever, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where you know a lot, a lot of your opportunities are determined simply about how, how, who you know, and how well you are, um, and sort of an ability to recognize, uh opportunities when they present presented to you mm-hmm. so that's definitely something i mean i wouldn't I really consider myself the best networker just because like i'm kind of timid and don't really you know like to jump into conversations that i don't like to force the conversation if it isn't really there
1: yeah
2: definitely an ability to do that will get you you know get you the opportunities that you need because especially now we're there's so much competition for work and to really do anything. It's it's almost even more so about who you know than necessarily
0: what you can do. I wish I learned that earlier on. Like, I come from a family, like, not I come from a family that is all about education and, you know, you gonna work hard enough and (laughs) think you get the opportunities. And it wasn't until I was well into Wellesley and, like, doing this like the Wellesley in Washington program and I was struggling to get an internship while managing my jobs and then the other students in the program were just getting connected. One girl ended up working for um, former Vice President Joe Biden while in office. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. and it was all because of a professors we had another students working at the State Department of Treasury and it was all because of the professors were calling up people you know i ended up getting a great job a great internship i loved it i love the people i worked for i gave up a lot of extra time because i loved it but that's when i started realizing like wow it's not just i'm gonna put my application in i'm gonna get recognized for doing x y and z so if i had learned in high school mm, go dad go yeah. your
2: dad
1: <laughs> I
2: barely, I, like, I mean, I don't even know if I learned that in high school as much as I, I sort of started figuring that out in college.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I guess some of it was demonstrated in high school just because I was in a small community where you just happened to know the right people. Um, but part of it is sort of a willingness to ask for help, I think, is something that isn't necessarily talked about often,
1: mm-hmm. where,
2: you know, part of you know, taking advantage of the network is, asking and knowing when to ask and knowing what to ask out of people uh, to sort of get the next step. And then also those need to be backed up by that hard work that you're sort of speaking about. So I don't think it's sort of 100%, you know, on the who you know aspect as much. It's like a blend of it all.
1: Yeah. But
2: yeah. Knowing, knowing the right people will definitely get you, you know, get you very far. It's definitely the case for a lot of people who seem to be in situations that you wonder how they got there
1: right
0: (laughs) (laughs) you know not a dick right no we could talk offline no (laughs) play um but yeah so i so what made you decide you went to study communications and um public relations so you know
2: originally uh I went to college and decided and I liked writing and wanted to do something sort of channel was unrelated related just because I'd been interested in that kind of stuff so in high school, writing for blogs and stuff like that. Um, ended up switching to public relations just because one, that's where sort of the money in that field was sort of all shifting towards. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which, you know, it sold out. So I sold out and then, uh,
1: <laughs> you know, but I,
2: I do like the aspect, you know, of that that writing aspect of it, and, you know, and beyond sort of like a like an English professional, um, you know, studying language as much as it's, it's writing that is meant to, to be understood by other people, yeah, getting you know, messages across and setting the way that people are influenced. Um, I always find that super fascinating, and I think nowadays, which you know. A constant stream of information coming to people, you know, whether it's through the phone through the internet. Um an understanding of, of influencers and you know, all of that all of the things sort of elements definitely seems valuable in my life.
0: <laughs> As you see writing changing now, like, you know, from blogging to even some papers are changing their style of writing or their writing level is there someone that you really like to or um a source that you really like to read now as a as a writer like you know what i appreciate their journalistic style or this person's writing style
2: um interestingly enough like there are not too many publications that that i go towards like um you know, my favorite as much as I try to read a bunch of different ones and sort of compare, mm-hmm. compare and contrast them. But in terms of reading, you know, I really have sort of gone back to novels as, like, a, as a, you know, the study of communication, just sort of seeing the ways that, um, you know, the classic novels started to communicate their ideas. Reading a lot of, like, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, James Baldwin.
0: Oh, yes.
2: Political bronze stuff like that, and, you know, just because I think for, you know, a lot of journalism now, and, and in a lot of writing I was doing in PR, um, a lot of it's kind sort of lowest common denominator kind of clickbait,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, vibe to it, where you're really just kind of sensationalizing things, but, you know, you don't really see that much candidness in the writing as much yeah. Uh, that's fun of, in a lot of these novels and really appreciate that in terms of just shaping my mentality.
0: I love historical fiction. Like yeah. I I love his like and when I say that I include pieces like um like The Invisible Man. Like even though it's about okay. Ralph Ellison's life, it's it's stuck in a certain period of time, you know, and you're referencing about real about things, things that fiction. happen, huh?
2: Is it about Ralph? Rose anyway?
0: Yeah, it is. It's like was his
2: it that was autobiographical. Unit?
0: Yeah, that's. I think so. That's what I've, I've, I've learned, <laughs> and like the different things that he he went through. That's why he. It was like he spent so long on, writing it like and making every scene so painstakingly clear. Um, yeah. But then like there's other pieces. Like I just picked up this awesome book called um, Colors of the Mountain by Da Chen. And it's about um, the China during, like, the Cultural Revolution and a kid of the landlords who, like, they lost their position and everything. But it's so clear and it's so beautifully written that, like, I get the time, you know? And it is about this real man's life, but it's also kind of written and it's, like, f- fictional thing, but it's also telling you the feel of a period versus, like, this thing happened this city was attacked on this day and it's impersonal
1: mm.
0: you know
2: mm.
0: i haven't really gotten into as much and i'm about to move on i'm sorry but i love people who still read novels
2: it's like a it's a way of learning about a person that you know is more intimate than any other way in which you know we typically learn about people in 2017 which is like facebook posts and- Brief conversations, but you know, good novels are written in a way where it's like you can understand people's thoughts. Which yes, can really people are inherently complex, but when people do that well, it's
0: fascinating. Yes, like if I could start a a book like a virtual book club, and not just have it be like all women, <laughs> um, I think that would be really cool because, like, I know I had an ex, and we used to read books together and we were we were like long distance for a long time and like even bringing up certain themes that showed up in a book or situations like like you said it lets you know about other people too. And things that you normally wouldn't ask because it's not a part of your daily routine. So that's a goal. Maybe if I start one you can you can be a part of it and also suggest some good.
2: <laughs>
0: some good books. So I know you are a radio host um, at the WTBU. Can you tell us about yeah. your experience?
2: Um, so yeah, radio, I think about that often. Um, just because I was, you know, one of the more fun times of college that, you know, I wish I, you know, thinking back, I don't really wish I could be back in school that much, but when I think back <laughs> to those days, and that was fun. I wish I could do that again.
1: Yeah.
2: Um. Uh, we had a radio show called Love of My Life on Zoom with my friend Chris Shane. And uh, it was a. For, we, we had interns for the station before, because so you have to intern for a semester before you able to get your own show. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, since it was our first year, they gave us the Bummy slot. We had the 10 p.m. to 12 a.m. slot on Friday afternoon. Friday, Saturday evening was out of. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know when we found that out we were like damn nobody's gonna listen to this this is miserable we're gonna be stuck in the studio when we're trying to go out to the right. sophomores in college we're trying to have fun Um, but it ended up being like you know I met a lot of people through that experience it ended up sort of really shaping um, a lot of my social life moving forward uh, because we would, uh, we would we would we would um, interview a lot of artists from the Boston area, from, like, Berkeley, a lot of them from BU, um, met, met a lot of friends, like, from open mics at BU, we would watch some, like, hip-hop open mic freestyle things, and whoever we were impressed by,
1: mm-hmm. invite
2: them to come on our show, and they would freestyle on the air. Um, so yeah, I mean, that ended up being a fun time, people would listen to our show but so that they got ready to go out. About yes! It's like a it's like a pre-game soundtrack um so yeah i mean it was a great time where it was like you know we were able to just learn about different music between between the there three radio hosts myself um christian and guest so between the three of us constantly sharing new music inviting new interesting people on i think uh that was probably one of the most beneficial experiences that i got from the school
0: that sounds so dope, and and so what did you learn about yourself over those couple years?
2: Um, but well, once I'm working, you know, working in the radio, sort of having conversations on the air, and I'm sure you sort of realize these things in the podcast. It's just sort of like a you become aware of your own manner. right? You kind of know, like from that's what I sound like, or oh, I cut people off a lot when I talk, or, you know, this or or that. So, you know, that was definitely an interesting awakening to have. But in terms of what did I really learn about myself, I'm not quite sure as much as I definitely, and to go back to some of those communication skills, definitely got to refine my ability to, i sort of going back to that theme on networking, sort of refine my ability to network, meet new people, and, you know, get them involved with whatever I'm doing at the time. I think I was having that radio show was a good outlet for that. Um, being so on in music, it allowed me to meet a lot of musicians, and, you know, in turn, they would meet one another. Some of them made music, you know, after they met one another through me,
0: being a connector in that kind of sense. <laughs> yeah. And I can I can see, like, having, like, when you have a show or, like, you, you were saying before, you don't like to enter a conversation that you're like, there's no real point to it. I don't, you know, like, but when you know you have a program or you're doing something, you're working on something, it's easier to, like, network with people and, and kind of see, like, how could they fit in or how could you help them? But if you're just coming in there like, hey, I'm Greg.
2: (laughs) Exactly.
0: It could be, like, yeah. Um, When did you pick up photography?
2: Um, Photography, I've been doing photography ever since I was, like, 12. Um, Just, like, always as, like, a hobby, like, the summertime, like, really young. Um, And then eventually, by the time I got I did like a project on it in in like the seventh grade, which is sort of similar to my senior project. We had to do sort of like a capstone project mm-hmm. um, in the seventh grade, and I, I chose psychiatry as as a focus. And then by the time I got to high school, I was able to take you know formal classes through the high school, like dark room classes. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's just been something that I've been doing for a long time. I was originally introduced to it um, by my grandfather who bought me like a a cheap Kodak digital camera.
1: That
2: was back in like 2003. Um, Really, it's just like a a toy. It probably spoiled me. But, you know, whatever the case, I got super interested in it and stuck with it over the years.
0: And so what do you like to shoot?
2: Um, It's always kind of changed over time, I think. Originally a lot of it was like landscapes or nature. You know, I'd go on like walks on the, you know, through the woods mm-hmm. or, you know, trips to the beach and just like you know, bring my camera with me and you know, photograph stuff like that. But over over the years it sort of sort of shaped to me wanting to capture my surroundings. Mm. or, you know, my day-to-day life kind of situation, Um, or the world as I see it kind of situation. So, you know, it started turning to just, like, casual. I go on a lot of walks, whether it's, like, during lunch break or just after work, I walk home. Mm -hmm. It'll be photographs that I, you know, see as I'm walking home. Usually, humor, whatever I think is kind of funny, I'll Mm take a picture of it. (laughs) Um, For a while, I kind of avoided taking pictures of people, It's because, um, people get weird when you stick a camera in their face. Yeah. But, uh, eventually, I think because, like, photography got really popular with, like, you know, Instagram blowing up. Yeah. this whole, uh, portrait photography became really popular. So I kind of rode that wave a couple years ago and did some portrait photography, which was fun. And now I'm sort of at a point where I do a lot of candid street photography, where I'll just go on walks and him doing the same things I was before, but now I'm the more people into it.
0: I have a camera, but I only like take pictures at my events sometimes. But I've seen myself change in moments, being on the other side of a camera, you know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm someone like I'm very bubbly, obviously. <laughs> and animated, but it's always around like things that it's always around external things that excite me ideas things are happening versus it just being all about me and I think being in front of the camera is very like I don't act I don't do a lot of stuff because it's scary like (laughs) that's a me thing versus energy about but like when you're in front of the camera you see parts of yourself that you've never seen before you know and like I've known it it's helped me appreciate myself or even like now I like to take more shots that are like more power shots than just being like you know cute and girly or whatnot like have you ever experienced that of like taking pictures of somebody or something you're like while I'm pulling something out of this that what most people don't see you in the first time they see it like I'm taking a shot of my surroundings, and I'm picking up on a spirit here that is more than just streets and lights.
2: Well, yeah, I think that's sort of the, uh, that's what I've always considered my goal is to sort of, you know, a lot of the stuff that I want to take pictures of is like everyday things, the whole part is to sort of bring your perspective in on it
1: mm-hmm. um,
2: and sort of see things or at least showcase in a way that other people may not see them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be applied in a bunch of different ways, whether just simply the things that you choose to take pictures of, other people may not choose their pictures of. I think um, I enjoyed that when I was doing portrait photography, um, sort of the, uh, the appreciation that people would show you know, once you take their picture. And especially a lot of the people that I would you know, take pictures of weren't professional you know, models or anything. yeah. So they would, be, they would be kind of timid at first, you know, you spend a little bit of time with them to make them comfortable and finally show them the end result and, you know, the smile on their face where they sort of be like, oh, that's that's what I look like kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, always kind of warms my heart because, you know, people don't really, you don't get that outside perspective often, so it's kind of nice to sort of show people what you see in them the sometimes. I yeah. That can be
0: rewarding. Yeah, it's just it's 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 really powerful. I don't think photographers get enough kudos. And before I move on, this is <laughs> you just made me think of um I can't even think what show it is. I also watch a lot of I, I watch a lot of corny television from like BBC historic fiction stuff to like um reality TV. But there was this one this one show and it was like a historical fiction show in Britain. At some point, they just created the first like mall or whatever, and they had a photographer come in, and this is apparently like when cameras just came out. Like this is the 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 hot shit right here, and yeah. he pulled this woman who seemed very sad, and he would always take pic- He would take a lot of pictures of her, and he showed it to her like he's like I see this deep beauty of experience, you know. In, your, in you and how you carry yourself. And then when he showed her the pictures, like, you said she was just, she fell in love with herself, and it's just magic. What y'all do is magic. Y'all have an eye for it, you know. Um, How did you end up in London working with the Parker, Wayne, and Kent
2: firm? So, that experience in London, you know, if we're talking about, like, most beneficial experiences, I definitely rank that, you know, Way up there. Yeah. Not necessarily the internship with like Barclay and Camp as much as it was the uh the decision to, to go study abroad, which was something I was hesitant to do for a while, just because I was kind of afraid to step outside of my comfort zone. Mhm. Um, but that was through, a, it was through a program. Boston University has a campus in in London, uh, so just through the study abroad program, um, you know, you apply, uh. And then you, you have to do like a phone interview with a are placing you with a company um, over there in London, which I guess the university just has relationships with. Mm-hmm. Um, like a recruitment center. But yeah, I mean, studying in London, that really sort of opened my world up just to you know, way bigger than I would know, imagined. I had done some traveling in the past before, but that was the first time um, that... I went somewhere, stayed there for an extended period of time, and I was by myself. You know, I was 20 years old.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: but I didn't know anybody when I went over there. My friends, they studied at clubs, but they studied in different places. It was kind of like a fresh start. Um, and kind of went out there, I totally open-minded, not really knowing what was going to happen. And, you know, it ended up being, you know, a tremendous growth period for me.
0: Would you encourage like high school students who are right now might have the attitude I don't want to go abroad to yeah. go abroad
2: um definitely I think any kind of any kind of experience expand your understanding of the world is, is incredibly valuable especially in you know, the globalized world we live in now where you know we can easily impact one another um I, I would definitely I think if anything those are the types of experiences that that should be required of students, and we should be sort of pushing more students in that direction way more than a lot of other things that are required out of them, like you know, gym requirements and stuff like that. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: at the uh, I work at the uh, World Affairs Council here in Philadelphia, and we work with um the charter school up in North Philly. It's a voting school for international affairs, and that's a, it's a unique sort of a, it's a public school, but it's charter school, so you have to apply, um, but it's funded by the Philadelphia School Department in, in conjunction with the World Affairs Council, um, and they're a really unique school just because they're able to offer a lot of travel, broad experiences to the high school students where they'll take, you know, two-week trips, I think, This year, they're going to China for two weeks. Yeah. Or, you know, in the past, they've gone to, like, Italy. And I think anything to sort of expand your understanding of the world and sort of let you know how other people live definitely gives you, you know, better understanding of where you're at. And I think, you know, especially... I mean, people say... There's the, there's the stereotype that Americans don't get out much in terms of traveling. Yeah. And that, you know, that's why we think we're number one, because we've simply never seen anywhere else. And I think that kind of experience, would one, make people way more appreciative of the things that we do have here. Um, and two, it definitely would help, you know, teach people empathy in terms of understanding where people can come from in other walks of life. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, um I it just dawned on me as you're saying this that you are now at the World Affairs Council. That's why I interned in DC for that summer. I right. love that organization. I love I love really? Heidi, I love the man like that's I got to do like multiple embassy events there. Um, and like you, they're just amazing and they really believe in connecting people to To other cultures and opportunities, like you're saying, like oh yeah, you just gave me chills talking about it. Like, and there's not a lot of organizations that you can really say you go across the board and they stick to this mission and they are actually doing year in and year out. You know, they're actually impacting yeah. and building bridges um, between between people. Yeah,
2: I think I think that that aspect of building bridges is definitely. That's probably the most important thing that it needs to resonate with people in such a divided time. I think there's like a propensity to build walls, um, you know, especially mm-hmm. when people feel like their identity they're getting attacked, you know, in the midst of, you know, Everything, a lot of tension yeah. on all fronts. But, you know, we need to run away from that propensity to, to build walls and we need to learn the ways that we can connect with one another that, you know, are beyond just these surface level identity that we, we hold so dear.
0: No, I a hundred percent agree with you. Um oh, okay, so what's been something um as you've been in your current position working with the World Affairs Council that kind of shocked you like a really great experience that you'd expect to have.
2: Well a lot of it is um working with the high school students I mean in my role, I don't get to work directly with them, um, directly with the educational component of the World Affairs Council.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, each each council operates independently mm-hmm. um, from the national organization, which is headquartered down in D.C. But are like you know, the travel the travel components are run from our office. and I think that's for the for the national organization as well, and the mission is pretty much the same across each 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 one, but. Um, getting to work with high school students was always something that I was a little bit intimidated by because my perception of high school students it was like, they were all going to you know? <laughs> know it all, mm-hmm. you know, punk, punk teenage kids. Right. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but, but getting to work with them um, it definitely has given me a good understanding. And, and mind you it's like a small demographic in that one school, but it, it is a diverse school. And it gives you a slight understanding of, you know, the younger generation and where they're at and their understanding of things. Um, and from my experience, you know, they're definitely really open-minded in terms of the things that they, uh, the ideas that they're willing to sort of hear and accept and, or, you know, understand. I think, uh, they're definitely more, uh, if anything, I'd say focus is down. It almost seems like uh, kids grow up faster
1: mm.
2: nowadays. Um, I hate saying nowadays because it sounds like, like <laughs> an old man reflecting on his head, <laughs> but um, I think about when I was in high school, you know, I didn't really think that far in advance. I, the furthest day I thought was like next year. But these kids definitely have long-term goals that they set themselves out towards. Um and just like their understanding of it might be like an international affairs school so I guess they just happen to know about know a lot about international affairs but mm-hmm. they just seem to know way more than I did and I think part of that is because the tools that are available to them like the internet and the ability to use all these tools and the ability to connect with people through the internet yeah. definitely makes you you know a more empathetic person you know, living in the, the bubbles that I was living in back in high school. but I was surprised, you know, understanding that, like, these things that you know, I have a tendency to sort of think of as harming, human interactions, like, you know, technology, mm-hmm. and, and all the benefits to definitely treat some harms to it. But to sort of see how the other generations are able to sort of cope with them and, and use them to grow.
1: It's fascinating in my
0: mind. I don't know if that made any sense. No, I did. No, and I'm with you. I I got the opportunity to work with some students up here in Detroit over the summer. It was really interesting. Um, I was working with this organization and they had me like create a program so around water. So we did all these different activities. We talked about who owns our water, the process, you know, the sewage process, all that. And then I threw in some fun things like going to the goat farm to see irrigation and, and, you know, farming and all that, having them go and touch the pets and milk the goats. I had them zip lining, um, kayaking, canoeing, like all these things that they've never done before. But Mm -hmm. on the heavier adult side, they lived through so much already, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's amazing. You know, like, on one hand, it feels like we've taken a lot of their childhood, but mm-hmm. we've we've introduced them to so much adult stuff. Um, and so,
2: yeah, I think there's like, yeah. there's like an innocent love with all the connections, the hyper connectedness of modern society. The fact that, like, you know, you just know what everybody's up to all the time. Nothing's really, if you have any questions, you can just Google it just everything and everything comes to you nowadays like there's, there's no more like just mystery anymore that's kind of I remember defining my childhood just not knowing certain things and figuring things out way down the line but now it seems like you know kids can find out anything they want and at any age they're probably learning about things um everything Subject <laughs> at a younger age now
0: Yeah, that's how I feel. That's how I feel. Um, You did say that they're starting to think out in the future. Um, What do you think you'll want to do over the next five years?
2: Um, Over the next five years, I'm not sure. It's like a tangible goal as much as, you know, I just want to continue to travel and see the rest of the world sort of ties into a lot of my, my passions of, you know, connecting with people and, and photography. Um, I think it's the best to do those in the next five years while I still am young enough to do that kind of stuff um, without any kind of real consequences, setting myself back too far. But, you know, my goal is to is, is definitely to keep traveling.
0: Well, I feel like you're, you're one of those people that you're meant to see and explore and like you're so I don't well you're a cancer aren't you a cancer Your are sign
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah like you have this like reflective but I don't have to I don't have to be too verbose <laughs> kind of quality and you're able to just connect with people and I feel like we need those people like you to explore and see and come back and tell us this and and capture it and photographs and writing, and you know, and soak up those stories so that we can know, you know, and push our our communities forward, our societies forward, or just little towns or whatever. like you tend to find really great positions, do a really great job at them at the same time as keeping true to this like creative side. And like, I'm not forcing a certain path. Does that sound? Yeah, I mean, I guess. Definitely-
2: mm-hmm. I, I sort of agree. I think like um, you know, there's definitely definitely a need. Somebody somebody's gotta be out there, you know, exploring exploring these new territories. And you know, hey, if I'm the, if I'm given that opportunity, I'll be that guy. I'll, I'll, I'll run around and come back with, with stories to tell. I feel like I sort of feel like I fill that position in my family just because I do way more traveling than the rest of my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and at this point, they they think I've been places that I haven't even been. They're like, oh yeah, I think Greg's in there. <laughs> uh, been
1: there.
0: They, they speaking <laughs> so, it, yeah, it on you. Kind
2: of <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's it's kind of cool. I think um, I sort of have a tendency to uh, run away from you know comfort, where it's like whenever I get too comfortable, sometimes you can kind of feel the need to shake things up.
1: Mm. I
2: think. The, that probably explains some of my resume. I think, uh, I think over the next five years, if I can sort of continue that, and and you know maybe maybe after five years, I'll have some type of revelation and you know figure out what you know to go back to, what Questlove was telling me, what I need to sort of put my my focus 100 in. But I think for now, it's about just exploring the curiosity and, you know, the mysteries of life and and seeing what you get out of those. Which, I guess, sort of to that point I was saying about some of the younger, um, some of the kids I was meeting in high school, they sort of seem like they have really adult goals lined up where it's like, they want to do this, this, and then this. Which, you know, is definitely noble to a degree, but I think it should also be like a, needs to be balanced with like a, a, uh, What's the word I can't really think the exact word, but sort of a uh, an under or a desire to sort of explore new tor territories and, and the unknown, as opposed to uh, the known and what will work. You know what I'm
0: saying? Yeah, I feel that, and like as a Virgo who can be a little bit of a hermit sometimes. Like I I'm trying to embrace that um that energy. I think me. Whenever I've traveled and stuff like that, it's been more, like, a frustration of, like, I'm not going to be the only person who hasn't seen anything or whatever versus, like, let me push myself out my comfort zone. So that's very wise. Um, that's very wise words. And something, this is, I'm proclaiming this year, so next, next week is my birthday. This is going to be my unicorn Your year. Birthday. Thank you. Thank you. This is my unicorn year. Lightning.
2: Unicorn
0: year. Yep, yep. I don't Wait, what,
2: what's a unicorn here?
0: Like it's magical, it's light, you're free, you just you know, and like unicorns they unicorns there are very reliable. You know, like you know that unicorns gonna take you from place A to place B and you're gonna have a fun time on that ride. You're not gonna be it's not like riding a dragon. Like you're you're ha- you're having the like the fun time. And so that's something that I'm trying to embrace this year of just lightness and having fun and pushing myself out of my comfort zone. So like I've been trying to get Nas tickets for Friday, but I did end up getting Bryson Tiller tickets, which like normally would I go to a concert by myself? No, but pushing myself out the comfort zone, having fun, you know, I'll do other things with friends, but like, yeah. I
2: think, I think, you know, most of the things, most of the best things that life has to offer are right outside the comfort zone. like right right outside. Right like right on the other end of the comfort zone.
1: Yeah.
2: It's like you know, it's definitely scary to sort of, you know, to be in vulnerable situations like that, but I think that's that's how you grow. The more vulnerable you are, the more you're gonna grow, you know. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's like you're saying, it's really important because I don't know if you remember me freshman year. But I was, like, that good Southern, (laughs) overly energetic (laughs) Christian girl. And, like, I know I want to meet someone in college. By the time I graduate, I'm going to be getting married. And, like, I see a lot of the people around me here getting married now or had kids. And I'm like, wow, there's so much of me that I'm just realizing that I need to learn what I like, you know, and pushing myself. And like experiencing life. And I think that I wish I was taught that earlier on. It taught that spirit of exploration and, you know, just have a journey and follow it. Not just a work thing, not just this is going to be my next step and this is going to get me here. But like, you got to live some too. Because by the time you do settle down with someone, like, I don't want to be upset that I never, quote-unquote, lived.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I think it's really important to, uh, which I think uh, a part of self-actualization is self-realization. And I think uh, it definitely takes a long time to learn who you are. And it's definitely a continuous process. I don't think people ever really learn exactly who they are. But I feel like, at least with the way that, you know, the school systems are set up, and sort of going through the motions, the fact that you, you know, graduate with a degree and you're expected to just work in that field, I like guess, it definitely doesn't encourage much uh, self-discovery. Mm. And I think once you get started down the route of self-discovery, then it's sort of, you know, snowball effects, you find know, the finest little compounding about yourself. But I think self-discovery is really, that's probably the answer to the world's problems, you know, if we really want to get into it. It's, you know, I keep getting onto the politics stuff just because I think it's definitely...
0: It's timely, yeah.
2: It definitely distracts me on a daily basis. And I think a lot of the root of it is sort of this feeling that you understand how everything is supposed to be. Um, and the fact that it's not, is like a dissonance. But I think, uh, you know, there's that quote where it's like, you know, you know, you gotta be the change you wanna see. Mm. And, you know, in order to change the world, you gotta change yourself first. So I think, you know, if, if more people were encouraged to sort of go down the route of self uh, discovery, I think it would definitely be beneficial for for a lot of people. I think it sort of would have a compounding effect on on our society.
0: And just like the empathy and compassion and. And not just a, the cheesy oh I see you'll see yourself in the other person if you listen or you walk in their steps you know their shoes a few steps like not the cliches but like really taking the time you just develop that empathy or like realizing that everything you do back home is not quote unquote normal or how it has to be done. But I think the work that you're doing is amazing. I think just even on in the visual level because i was talking to one of my friends and like i didn't just ask everybody to be on my podcast okay like i really (laughs) i really was thinking deeply about who i want to talk to we've had a lot of um executives on here a lot of leaders and then i started thinking about the people in my life that i felt like over especially my college and post-college career um they just shine in their own way, you know, like, you, you have an inkling that they're doing amazing things, they're going to do amazing things, because they just have really good, like, integrity, and they have really good character, and, um, you're definitely someone that I thought of, because I've always been impressed with just how you carry yourself, I've been impressed with your photography, I've been impressed, you know, with, even the conversations we had early on about writing and stuff, and I was like, oh, you're going to be a time journalist slash photographer and, like, traveling the world, like, you know, and before talking about, like, your family and stuff like that, and, like, just all this awesomeness, um, that's one of the main reasons why I wanted to have you on, and I think that, um, not to push your identity out there, but, like, as a black male in America, we don't tend to see your narrative you know of a a guy who did go to a a prep school who did come from philadelphia like so like a quote-unquote urban as like you know place and who just went to college a great college and was finding their journey and exploring and like not push putting and not to say you don't put pressures on yourself but not succumbing to the roles that are already laid out there you know And, um, I don't know, you've always just had, seemed like you've had your own little, your own little flow. And you might not say too, too much about it, but, like, you got (laughs) a sense of where you're going.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's good to hear somebody else say that because I don't feel like, I don't feel that's the case. (laughs) I feel like, (laughs) like, uh, you know, you take every day at a time. I think, um, I mean, part of it is, is, I've always kind of felt like an outsider just because, like, you know, I mean, I, I mean I, I'm I from the Philadelphia area. I didn't grow up, you know, in a quote-unquote urban setting. I mm-hmm. think when I went to you know, prep school, a lot of people were expecting me to sort of come from that background. Yeah. Um, you know, because I was black, but, you know, I never really fit that sort of standard. So I feel like I've just been an outsider in a lot of different contexts in life. And when you're sort of in that situation, you really get the opportunity to really reflect on who you are and... Who, who you try to be sometimes. And you, you just get slapped in the face with all that stuff. And at a certain point, you just you give up on all that. You just say, hey, I am who I am. I'm just going to ride this wave and see where it takes me. And I think uh, that's definitely how I try to live, although, you know, it's definitely been the case sometimes. Probably, I have the tendency to reflect those who I'm, I'm whoever I'm around, mm. um, you know, become a reflection of my my peers. So, you know, definitely keep good company. That's an important aspect. But, yeah, man, I appreciate you reaching out. I think uh, you're definitely one of the most determined people I know. That's how you <laughs> ended up getting on the podcast, because I don't really do stuff like this. So like
0: <laughs> well, um, I, I thank you, know. you. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, and so how can people follow you or see your photography?
2: Um, yeah, so you can find me online at com. Um, moments of silence photos moments of silence photos Um, and my Instagram is moments of silence, all one word as well. Um, I, mean, I update the Instagram pretty much daily, and the website's got prints for sale if you you know want to support the struggling artist. Yes. That's, that's
0: I want to thank Greg for joining us on the Reels Events podcast. I had a great time interviewing him, and I hope you all enjoyed this interview just as much. And I hope that you all support him by going to his website and purchasing um, some photos. I know that his photos are amazing. I also want to thank you all for listening to another episode of the Riel's Events Podcast. Please make sure that you subscribe to us here on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and the podcast app. And make sure that you rate us and leave a comment. It helps with visibility as well as... It allows other listeners gain great insight on how to improve their events and also learn about really cool people in our communities. Until next time, Sai Jian.